It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner, and I'm also the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Joining me always is the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire and all around good guy, Ted Fells. Hey man, welcome everybody, welcome. I'm excited about this show. So excited that I put on some, a collared shirt today. I've not worn a collared shirt for some time. So I'm so excited. I almost thought about putting on a tie, but a collared shirt today. It's, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited about the show. Yeah, it's exciting times. This is a special edition of the 30-Minute Hour podcast. We're broadcasting live on a Tuesday. This is episode number 55. We, we have a special guest. I mean, what he's going to share is so powerful. We, we wanted to just create uh, an additional slot just to really, so, so he can share with the audience. Absolutely. Uh, yep. And clearly, this is not your everyday podcast. You know, you, you can go to the 30minutehour.net and see all of the past episodes. You can see where we're on YouTube. We, you can pull up all of our episodes that are on your favorite podcasting platform, and you can find us and, and check us out there. So, Ted, what, any, anything new and exciting going on since? I know we haven't talked in a long time, Ted. It's been, <laughs> it's been a minute. So, anything, anything new? It, Anything new and exciting since yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, nothing new and exciting. Just happy to, to be here, man. Be healthy, you know, staying close to home. And, you know, I did tell you yesterday I got a new refrigerator and uh, there's nothing in it but drinks, right? So drinks and things to put on food. So I planned at some point after the show tonight to try to get out to the grocery store and do some essential essential shopping for the new refrigerator but that's that's the most going on with me right now so nothing new nothing exciting no all right well we've got something new and exciting we're going to talk about here and this will shock you ted but i've got something that's on my mind all right all right don't you want to know what it is Absolutely. Because I'm wondering, I mean, you had something on your mind yesterday, so you got something else on your mind today. That's right. I got something on my mind. And, and no. this really has everything to do with our guest. You, you can see him right here. I'm going to introduce him to you here in two seconds. But I want to talk from the topic, moving beyond the rat race. Hmm. Okay. That's right. That's what we're going to talk about. Moving beyond the rat race. Now, I was thinking about this show. I was thinking about our guest, I'm reminded of this familiar story. There was this guy named Joe, and Joe, he was just stuck in this rat race. He was a factory employee, and he had this, this rival, this competitor employee. He was just in this, he was just stuck in this, this rat race. And so one night, Joe, he had this encounter with a magical genie. Right, mm -hmm. with me, Ted. He had an encounter with a magical genie. So the genie informed him that he would be teaching him a lesson by granting any request he had on the condition 
that his competitor would get double mm. of whatever he asked for. His, his rival competitor would get double whatever he asked for. So if he asked for wealth, his competitor would get double the wealth. His rival would get double the wealth. And so after much thought, Joe went to the genie. He made his request. He said, can you strike me blind in one eye? <laughs> so so this, this story, it's a illustration of just how unhealthy this whole rat race competition can get to. You know, if you're in a rat race, it, you, you think it's healthy. And sometimes you, you get into this unhealthy comparison and competition and, and you're doing things that aren't really aiding your long-term freedom. And here's what I've discovered. Anytime I felt like I was in the rat race, even if I win, guess what? At the end of the day, I'm still a rat. Mm. Right. So, so we have to move beyond the rat race. Mm. So, so I, I said all that to say because it, it, it ties in to our guest today. And, and he helps people to gain that level of freedom and, and to move beyond the rat race. Mm. So let, let, me, let me tell you about it. Yeah, you, you can see him right there. He's, he's on the screen. He's got the cool background there. We need to right. we need to up our background game so we can be more like him there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're a little behind, uh, but he currently owns get this over thirty five hundred rental units across wow. the United States. He lives in Hawaii. He recently quit his day job as a professional engineer. He's got a master's in civil engineering and construction management. He's got a BS in industrial engineering. He partners with investors who want to build their portfolio. And they're too busy to meet with tenants, toilets, and termites. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, and by curating opportunities in the Huey Deal Pipeline Club, where his investors have personal access to him and know that he is personally putting his money on the line too. So this Huey Pipeline, Huey Deal Pipeline Club, they've acquired over $255 million of real estate uh, acquired by syndicating over $25 million of private equity since 2016. He reverse engineers the wealth building strategies that the rich use to the middle class uh, via the top 50 podcast that he currently hosts. And he'll tell us all about it. It's called the Simple Passive Clash Cashflow.com. His mission is to help hardworking professionals out of the rat race one free strategy call at a time. Please join me in welcoming to the 30-minute hour, Lane Kawoka. Hey, thanks for having me, Eric. I think you've oh, got me some uh, goosebumps. So. <laughs> you have like you used to work for WWE or something like that. And uh... <laughs> hey, man, it, it, it's certainly an, an honor uh, and a pleasure to to have you on. Um, I mean, you, you're doing some big things, and we uh, we've got some people that they feel like they're stuck in in this day to day rat race, and they, they're trying to compete. Uh, and, and instead of really taking their 
taking their interest to that next level and, and developing freedom. So I know what you're going to share is going to help. So I really, really want to get into this. So, so tell us about your journey. Like what, is, what experiences inspired you to pursue real estate investing? Yes. Yeah, so I, I got brought up um, under a household where we were kind of told to go to school, study hard, get a good job. And then what they didn't tell us that we work at that job for like 40 years and never really get, you know, that much out of life. Um, so I followed that path. I call this the, you know, the path that a lot of us follow. Um, I've kind of divul- um, diverged off that a little bit. Um, when I graduated college, I had an engineering job. I was a construction supervisor and I made pretty good money and I was pretty frugal. Um, eating a bunch of ramen noodles and just saving my money, no Starbucks, that kind of stuff at the time. Right. But I bought a house to live in because, you know, that's what most people say they're supposed to do, even though I don't quite agree with that. We can talk about more about that later. Hmm. But, um, you know, I was never home, right? Because I'm off working this crappy job that I don't like that I'm, I'm never home. So I just started to rent it out. Um, 2200 a month was the rents. The mortgage was 1600 And I didn't know anything about real estate investing at the time. I got a property manager and for all I know, the, the difference between the mortgage and the rents that got brought in was pretty good beer money for a young 20 year old something kid. And I was like, dang, I got to keep doing this again and again, right? This is my ticket out of the rat race. Hmm. I just keep continuing doing this again and again and again. So that was kind of how things started, but I get it, right? Like we're all in the beginning, you got to trade time for money, but you got to kind of get off of that. So, so it's interesting. Like, so I mean, like, what steps did you take to just acquire the knowledge to be able to just get property after property after property? Yeah, I mean, initially, I didn't know anything about investing, right? I just had a phone, old phone number of uh, my landlord from college, right? The property manager. And I was like, hey, can you do the same thing for me? I have this house. So that was all that was really required. I didn't know anything about, you know, we, and we can talk about, you know, like the rent to value ratio, where to buy rentals, you know, primary and secondary markets. Um, I didn't know anything about that, right? But once I got that first property and I made some cash flow out of it, off of it, man, I got, I got motivated. And then I started <laughs> to, uh, you know, consume all the free podcasts out there. That's why I do my free podcasts, you know, just it helped, all that stuff helped me back then. And, you know, just getting more and more sophisticated. And that's the nice thing about this stuff. It's not that difficult. It's actually pretty simple. Hmm. Um, the, okay. the, the hardest thing is the, the barrier to entry, which is getting the first, you know, 20 grand saved up for a down payment. Um, the type of real estate investing I do, it's not, we don't flip houses or doing anything like that or wholesale houses. You know, that's for people who don't have money. And hmm. we we just use normal, conventional Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac financing, get a down payment, and buy the property. Hmm, interesting. So, so you said something I, I do want to touch on. I thought it was interesting. You said, you know, because I've heard this too, you know, hey, you know, you, you should buy a house, right? You, you got to own something. And you said that you don't, don't necessarily agree with that necessarily. Can you, can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, where I live here, our starter house is six hundred grand for twenty yeah. percent down payment. That's one hundred twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and 
I could probably go buy maybe five houses with that. That cash flows like a few hundred bucks each. Hmm. I mean, it makes no sense to me. And then I think what the, the problem with a lot of younger families fall victim to this is they go buy that first house and now they've got this huge mortgage and they're, they have no personal cash flow. They're screwed. They're out of options. And uh, I think that's, you know, the whole system is engineered for us to work for 40 hours, 40, 40 hours for 40 years. Right. Mm. And that's all the wall street investments that are just retail investments engineered to keep us there. And the, the, normal real estate market is just engineered for lending brokers to make money off origination fees when I make a new loan or the real estate commissions, right? There's all this bad financial dogma out there kind of just having normal people like us keep working so mm-hmm. that people can get rich off our back. Yeah. And, and it kind of, I read somewhere, maybe it was one of the rich dad, poor dad, anything like that. Like anytime it's an asset, it should really be putting money in your pocket as opposed to taking money out of it. But you see, if you get one, you get a big house, now you're spending on, and it kind of goes back to the rat race piece because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. So if someone gets a six bedroom house, you feel like you need to get a seven bedroom house. Do you see, I mean, does that play into some people making the, the wrong decisions as it relates to their finances? And Exactly. I mean, if, if something is not making you money, I mean, you should really question if you should have it or not um i mean a lot of people on the west coast or here in hawaii or you know we call them primary markets you know these are the cool places to live you know they'll buy houses and that have negative cash flow but i don't invest like that i invest off cash flow the asset the the income it brings in which is the rents need to pay for the expenses the property manager, the CapEx, and um, put a little bit extra money in my pocket every single month for it to make sense. Um, I don't, I don't buy an asset if it bleeds me money, right? Some people will say, well, the property value will go up. I'm like, well, it might, it might not, right? That's gambling. Rule number one of investing is don't lose money. And you ensure that by making sure you're cash flowing day one. Awesome. Awesome. So we're here. We're on the 30 minute hour podcast. It's not your everyday podcast. We're here with Lane Kawoka and he's telling us about moving beyond the rat race. So like, how long did it take you from the time you said, you know what, I need to do something different to when you were able to walk away from your job? How long did that take you? Well, yeah, I mean, it took me a really long time. I mean, probably about 12 years. Hmm. Um, and what people don't realize this brand of investing I do, it's pretty prudent and it's, it's not a get rich quick thing though, but it's a get rich surely thing. Mm-hmm. And you're picking up properties and you're cash flowing each one, you know, a few hundred bucks per property. And it's like, kind of like watching grass grow. I mean, it took me the first six, seven years to acquire 11 properties. Right. And then it, obviously it grew exponentially from there. But, you know, you buy that first property, put an extra four or 500 bucks into my pocket. And then I was able to take that four or 500 bucks, which is, you know, about five grand a year to go buy the next property a little bit quicker. And you can see, see how the hockey, this kind of makes the hockey stick go up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's all it is all about just buying more assets that put money in your pocket and it's, it's slow go in the beginning, but, um, you know, good things come for those who wait. Mm -hmm. 
that's interesting that you you emphasize the fact that it's not a get rich quick because that that seems like that's what everybody's looking for you know that what's that one thing i can do that's just going to make me ultimately rich but you're saying it's a it's a long process but it pays off right and this is not for you know if you don't have any money it's same for you right like a lot of my clients are high-paid doctors lawyers engineers you know entrepreneurs that have a successful business you know they're kicking butt at that at that you know source of income and revenue uh, for their personal finances but they're putting money into hard assets that produce income Mm. and you know this this is real estate investing right you need money to invest if you don't got money like to me you can't invest like this you got a money problem right Mm. right absolutely okay so what i'm sure you hear this all the time you know these you're telling someone a busy professional about your idea and, and your process and they say yeah lane that sounds great but i don't have time how do you yes. respond to that so what what i'd have is kind of like two paths for most working professionals first i mean if you're under a quarter million dollars net worth you're kind of out of options you you've one of the best things to do is like what's called turnkey rental. So these rehabbers will pick up a house, rehab it, you know, so you don't have to worry about all the big components like the roof, the plumbing, the electrical, the paint. Um, It's, it's kind of all fresh and new. So you don't really have to worry about a lot of the CapEx repairs to show up the first few years. And a lot of times they'll put a tenant in there for you. So Think of it like a, a rental property with, for tra- uh, training wheels uh, for investors. Mm. Uh, again, these are called turnkey rentals. Um, I know a lot of people that across the country that will produce these for, for investors, but that's a great way to get started. Um, but for those who are accredited investors or certainly on their way past a half a million dollars net worth, you know, picking up individual single family home properties might be too much of a pain in the butt. Um, and that was kind of where I got to be in 2015 when I had 11 rentals. Um, it, it, it's a great way to get your net worth going, but it's just not scalable. And mm-hmm. about 2015 was when I started to join different masterminds, trying to learn what the wealthy did. And what I discovered is a lot of these guys are going into private placements and syndications. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us know this as kind of the country club deals, right? So they're going in buying a huge 200, 300 unit building with a whole bunch of other fellas and um, you know, getting, getting a bigger bang for their buck that way, buying for scale. Okay. So, so what are some, and I know I had the pleasure of being uh, interviewed on your podcast uh, here recently, and we, we, we kind of, we, we touched on this, uh, but what, what are some of the things that keeps people from taking that next step you know they, they know what they need to do they get it they have the money you've explained the time issue what, what are some things that you see that keep people from really taking that next step i mean it's all mindset stuff right i mean these are the guys who are asking the question like oh, what, what do i do about like llc's and all this stuff like that i'm like dude you're broke no one wants to see you anyway <laughs> but these are the guys that are freaking themselves out right they're, they're yeah. trying to find excuses not to do anything right or one of the, a lot of my guys are engineers. They're big, um, you know, analysis by paralysis guys, mm. 
and they'll look at all this data and then they'll just get befuddled. And I'll be like, dude, just like go to the same guy I sent the last guy to and just pick up a prop the same kind of property. It's simple. Um, part of this mentorship, they don't have somebody who's done it before kind of guide them. And, and here, here's a big thing. And I think a lot of people fall in this category. Like they come in and they listen to my podcast after having some kind of a pain point in their life. Like they lost a job or they have a baby and then, you know, or they, re they do some math on a, on a, on a back of an envelope and they realize, holy crap, I'm not going to be able to retire when I want. Mm -hmm. And so there's this big pain point and they're like, I got to do something else. So they, what do they do? They Google, they try and search, they learn about different things. But as humans, we're very uh, resilient. We fall back to status quo. Mm. I mean, we've been in this, uh, this Corona pandemic for what, about seven weeks. I mean, a lot of us are kind of all right now, right? It's, it's just like another day, right? Sometimes yeah, you forget right. you got to put on your mask potentially. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. And that's how people are, right? They could get fired or they could have like passed up by a promotion or they could get absolutely screwed at work and they get really motivated, but then they kind of lose sight of that pain after, you know, they get okay with the status quo. I think that's what happens a lot of times. And then they, they just give up motivation. But what I tell people is like, like, dude, do the math, right? Like if you keep investing in the stock market and see it fall 30% for no good reason, you know, or like, you know, you do the math and you, you would, if on your current path, you know where you're going to be, it's math. If you're okay with it, then you know, don't talk to me, right? Go do your own thing. But if you want something different, you need to do something different. So I think that's where people need to realize that they need to kind of define what they want first and then take the right course of action that's going to get them there. Mm. Right. So Ted, you had a couple of questions you wanted to go ahead. And uh, I'm just listening to all this and just taking it, taking it in. So I, I think, Lane, you mentioned um, that you started with $20,000. Is that how you said you started because I know I've seen some people that have just started to join and so maybe just kind of you could just recap kind of how you got started yeah I mean that first rental was a little more expensive right because it was in Seattle which is more of a primary market which I wouldn't advocate buying properties in primary markets like Seattle anywhere in California for that matter um, mm. the prices are just too high mm. and more importantly the rent to value ratios in those type of places aren't able to cash flow so you know people want to do a little bit of due diligence right now i mean go on hop on zillow just go look at a property and take the monthly rent divided by the purchase price we need a a, a ratio one percent or higher to be able to cash flow hmm. so you know a lot of the properties that i'll advocate my clients to buy are like a hundred thousand dollar houses you know in the midwest or south and for a lot of people in California, they're like, what? You can buy a house for under 300 grand? And, but, you know, a lot of us, depending where you are in the country, you're like, yeah, you need, those are pretty, pretty good houses, you know? For some people, it can be a big culture clash. But, you know, where, where I advocate buying houses are places like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Memphis. You know, you can buy a pretty good B-class house for 100 grand that will rent for $1,000. Again, you take a thousand divided by a hundred thousand dollars. That's one percent, and that's what we're trying to look for—that one percent or higher. Hmm. So that first rental I bought in Seattle was about three hundred fifty thousand. 
I had to bring about 60 grand to the table to close that. But if I would have done it again, I would have not bought in Seattle. I would have bought in more of a, a secondary or tertiary market where the numbers made sense. Hmm. Okay. And then, so like, are there any other just common, you, between your podcast, you see all kinds of investors at all kinds of levels. What, what are some of the other most common mistakes that people need to avoid when they're thinking about investing? Yeah, I think the first, the first thing is like, well, how much money do you have and how much time do you have? Yeah. If you don't have a lot of money. If you have your net worth is negative, you can't even balance your personal finances and save money. The same for you, dude, right? You got to get your stuff straight first. Um, but if you have 20, 30 grand ready to go, you know, that you're a good candidate for this. Um, certainly if you're half a million dollar net worth or a million dollar accredited investor and above, you know, mm -hmm. this is, this, this is your thing. This is your jam. Um, but then the next thing is like, well, how much time do you have? Right. Cause a lot of, like I said, my clients who are higher paid, you know, they, they're working 50, 60 hours plus a week, right. They're the man at, at work. Um, and they may not have time to even go pick up something as easy as a turnkey rental it might be mm -hmm. too much of a headache for them. And, mm -hmm. and certainly like you're, what you're trying to do at the end of the day, especially when you're a businessman is like, you're trying to find your highest and best use. Right. So I would have those answer the question, pick the strategy and the path that is dictated by how much money you have and, and how much time you have or what, what you got to work with. Right. Good. Good. Okay. So, so can you, you kind of touched on this, but can, can you kind of spell out exactly how, so if, if you if an investor is working with you, how specifically do you help them? So I have a couple paths. Um, you know, we run an investment company where when people are, you know, higher net worth, they, and they don't want to do it themselves. Um, they invest alongside of us or we, um, if people aren't quite ready, we will just kind of pass them off to some other people who can help them, you know, to buy turnkey rentals and stuff like that. Um, that's on once that's on my operational side of my business. My other side is my education side. Some people, they like they like the all the free podcasts and all the free web content. I mean, it's all out there for free, right? Mm -hmm. But some people they want access to my Rolodex, right? And they want to build their network, right? Because at, after a certain point, your network is your network. You don't mm -hmm. get access to deals. You don't get access to all the cool tricks and tips with infinite banking, um, all the tax and legal hacks, unless you build the network around you. And that's what I cultivate on my education side. But, um, you know, the getting the financial freedom starts with just educating yourself. And that's, you know, all my website's all about is just a lot of it's on there for free. You know, if you can't put in the effort, um, you know, it's on you, man. You know, it's, it, financial freedom to get started shouldn't cost 30 to 40 grand like some of these programs, which... You know, a lot of these guys, they'll, they'll do these big seminars and they'll, they'll tell you to call up your credit card company and get your credit limit increased so you can pay for their $40,000 program, right? That's not right, right? No, no. And, and so what, so you, you host the top 50 podcast in the category, the simple passive cash flow. What, what inspired you to start that? 
I so I started about like five years ago. Um, like I was still buying single family home rentals, right, in places like Birmingham. And my friends were like, "Dude, do you even like visit these things?" Like, I'm like, no, <laughs> like they're commodities. And they're like, people are just like confused. Like my friends, right, were just confused, and they just asked a lot of questions. And then I started to realize like these yo-yos. You know, good guys, but they never do anything, right? And I was just wasting my time. <laughs> right. So I just decided to like record it. And at the time I was kind of transitioning more to bigger deals. So I knew I would forget a lot of the single family home stuff. So I just started to archive it and created like a follow my journey type of podcast. And I think that's why it's been so popular. Um, you know, people think it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of following on what I do, the good and the bad and the ugly. Mm -hmm. so so what, is that what separates your podcast from the others in that category kind of your personal journey or what, what specifically makes yours different i think so i mean like when when you think of like real estate you you should get a slimy feeling i think right most of these guys <laughs> they got like a suit on you know they're trying to sell you some garbage right it's like life insurance you know <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling a little slimy right now. Lee, yeah, about yeah. It. <laughs> well, I'm not that kind of guy, right? Like, <laughs> right. Like, I think, I think that's like what no people normally get. And that probably is true, but I think that's why people like to work with me. Cause like, look, I'm real, like I'm authentic. Right. I mean, like nobody likes some, like some faker. Right. And like, I'm actually did this stuff. Right. A lot of these mm -hmm. guys who have podcasts never even did, never even run, owned a rental property. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that authenticity and the realism that I think that comes out. Um, and then we, we've got a question um, from one of our followers. Can you repeat the name of the podcast? Simple passive cash flow is, is the name of the, the podcast. So definitely make sure you, you check that out. But yeah, so that, that's awesome. So in addition to having this top 50 podcast, you are also a 12-time best-selling author. Wow. So, so which, which of your books would you recommend that would be most helpful to that person that's looking to leave the rat race? I would say um, I'm not a big book guy. To be honest, I think most people that listen to podcasts and read books read too many freaking books and <laughs> they come in this, uh, I call it shelf help mm. is the term I use. Right. Like what I tell them is just like, go, like go to my website and download the free analyzer. Okay. And like, just analyze properties, you know, get on Zillow. Zillow is not the best place for data, but it's better than nothing. Just start inputting rents and property values and then you know, start to build the other cells in the spreadsheet and just get a feel for stuff. Like that's how you learn. Hmm. Right? It's the whole 70-20-10 rule. 70% is actually doing it. 20% is learning from others and 10% is the academic stuff, the podcast, the books. But some people, mm -hmm. they always stay in that 10% all day long and they never get anywhere. Right. Right. No, I agree with you 100%. I mean... At some point, you got to move and really take an action of what's really going to help you to succeed. So, uh, I can certainly agree with that. But but the, you're saying a lot of, they can do the research with the Zillow and the other things, and not just get stuck and be in the library the whole time. Right. To. Right. Okay. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, if you want, if you really want to beat me up for like a book title, I would say um check out the real estate. Uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. I mean, it's that's a pretty good book. I mean, that's probably the only book you need to read. You know, people people will say like Rich Dad Poor Dads, like that's more of a mindset book. I mean, people will get really excited, but then if you're like me, you're kind of like you read that book, it's like, all right, great, like what the heck do I do now? Doesn't tell you how to do anything. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Do I buy houses? Do I buy gold? I don't know. Do I buy their internet marketing course? Like I don't know what to do, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not, not a big fan of that book for actually, you know, tangible um, advice, but, you know, I would say like that one book or, you know, just, yeah, I mean, just start reading, I think blogs and podcasts are a great place to start. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So here's a question, especially with you having accomplished and accomplishing so much, it, all so many things you're accomplishing, describe a typical day for you. Like, like what time do you wake up? You know, what, what are some of your routines? What time do you go to sleep at the end at the end of the day? Can you describe that for our followers? Yeah, yeah. I think we did this on my podcast with you, right? I think it's a little <laughs> similar. <laughs> Everything Eric does now. Um, so I usually wake up around seven, you know, and then because I'm on the, you know, in Hawaii standard time, we're behind everybody. So I, I wake, wake up to a big email list and I can't. I can't do what the books say and like, you know, meditate and work out first. No, I got to, I got to put out the fires in the damn email box first for a couple <laughs> hours. <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know what kind of business they're running, but <laughs> I actually got to get stuff done, you know? Um, so I'm in there for a couple hours and kind of got some calls with investors. Um, I don't know. I'm just running around the whole day. And then, you know, in the afternoon, things kind of calm down when you guys are all on the East coast or central time, all tired, <laughs> actually work on some of my projects, work on a podcast. Um, and then, um, try and work out every day, you know, like CrossFit and stuff like that. All right. Well, good. So, so you've got exercise built into your routine. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the one thing that's, unique about me is I need to kind of clear the deck in the beginning of the day before I kind of work on my projects and mm -hmm. sometimes I screw myself over because I'm just tired and I don't do it but I just I, I don't know if I can relax and if I know that there's stuff piling up or there's the potential grenade in the inbox gotcha okay that's that's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah it's probably which probably like not like what most people will teach right but screw them that's what works for me <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you i'm glad you you're being really candid about this because we asked this question to everyone and most of the people their structure kind of sounds the same but yours is just kind of a little it's a little different but it works right just yeah. say hey let me put out, let me put out the fires first and then i can you know, I can move forward with the with the day. Others, I, I, I sometimes I listen to what people say they do in the morning too. I'm like, what time are you starting? Three a.m. I mean, how are you doing all that before you get yeah. before you get going? How do you get anything done when you're like in your silly journal for like five, fifty minutes out of the day? You know? Yeah, yeah. Journaling. Yeah, somebody, some people have said they they read they read for an hour or two and yeah, fix you know, my, I don't I don't fix my bed in years. I don't got time for that. <laughs> So, so you go against what everybody's in, in all the different self-help arenas say about the miracle morning and some of the other things. 
I don't like to wake up early. I mean, that's that's why I do what I do. I, you know, financial freedom is the power to do what you want when you want. Yeah, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna wake up that early. <laughs> I don't want to. That was when I worked for the man, and I had to. <laughs> but no, I, I I think at the end of the day, it's about results. And yeah, okay. I think you if you have a routine, I think you have to always be looking at is it working for you? Is it getting you to your goal? And I can tell you for myself that there's things that I've done that, you know, seem like they're right on paper, but if it's not producing a result, I think it's time to revisit it and oh, see yeah. you know, what else you need to do. So Ted, what are you about to say? No, I just, I just think it's interesting that, you know, everyone kind of does it the way that they do it. Right. But we still have not, Eric, found that person to start the day about 10 a.m. though. No. Even Lane says 7 a.m. is still, you know, relatively, you know, he's jumping into it at a decent time. So we're waiting for that person that starts at 10 a.m. They have pancakes and then they get going about 11. We haven't found <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody's eating those those Wheaties anymore. That's for sure. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not. Yeah, not. No, but so, so Lane's approach may be different from some, but the bottom line is that he's still intentional. Yeah. Like yeah, he, he's I, intentional about what he does. He's not always tweaking it, right? Yeah. I mean, if if I could, I'd wake up at ten, but I know <laughs> to get the most out of myself, I gotta kind of whip myself out of bed at some point. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. So, any other success strategies, Lane, that you would recommend for that our followers that are watching that are they want to create that passive income? What what other steps would you recommend they take? Yeah, I mean, I I think like for me, like I found somebody, um, like I I got up, I did was doing this all by myself, and it got me up to eleven rentals, but it took forever, and I made a lot of mistakes. Um, it wasn't until I started to join masterminds and pay to get into better groups where I found kind of models. They weren't necessarily mentors where I paid. I mean, I did pay people, that's for sure, but. I would say like models were important for me, like finding other higher paid professionals and seeing what they did mm-hmm. and kind of following and kind of tweaking my strategy. And, and in a way I, I drastically changed my strategy after I saw what a lot of these people were doing, mm-hmm. which is very different from what, you know, is commonly taught to us by our parents or what's talked in the, in the cubicle world. Right. I, like I know for myself, yeah, in all my college classes, the word mastermind never came up. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like for example, here's this, here's something like, for example, I'm sure you guys never heard of is like trade lines. Have you heard of like, if you got like credit cards, you can put authorized users on your, on your credit card and you can get paid a few hundred bucks every month by putting people as authorized users. I mean, I've been doing, I did this all last year. I made like 10 grand doing this thing. <laughs> it's like, Really? Easy money. So you, can, you know? so you can just add anyone as authorized users on your credit card? Yeah. So we get a broker and then the broker kind of connects the people who want to improve their credit score and then they pay you through the broker. Wow. It's, it's crazy. Like there's just all this kind of stuff that you never heard of, hear about, but like, I mean, the, the personal finance blogs are all garbage out there. All telling you to like, not, not buy Starbucks or you know, use this credit card that you gets you one percent cash back. Like, what if they do? Like, that won't move the needle. 
So, so trade lines, was that something that came out of one of your mastermind groups? That yeah, yeah, just doing? what some dude was doing, right? And then I made a, recently made an e-course on it. Um, awesome. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so definitely, I mean, there's, there's a lot of information out there, and I, I think the masterminds, and I, you said something critical, and I've always believed this, the whole idea of your, your network being your net worth and, and really getting around uh, like-minded people. So, so what's the best way for our followers to connect with you? I would say, you know, just consume all the pod free podcasts and all the stuff on my website. Um, we have a free Facebook group community for those of us who are kind of like-minded on this path to financial freedom. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, Financial freedom is not for everybody, though. Mm -hmm. you know, it's only for those who are willing to put in a little bit of steady effort over the years. Hmm. Okay. Not, not one quick fix, but steady effort over a long period of time. Right, right. If it was, I'd probably be selling it for $40,000. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they, they can reach out to simplepassivecashflow.com and hear your awesome uh, top 50 podcast uh, and, and get more information as they as they uh, visit your website uh, on the whole topic. So great. So, so we're going to go around the horn. So this is the part of the show where we each leave a final closing thought for people. So Lane, we'll go ahead and start with you. What, what's a final thought that you want people to remember uh, based off of this, uh, this interview? Yeah, I think it just starts with the first rental property. Um, it all sounds fine and dandy now, but I think when people get started digging into it, like where do I find it? Where do I get the property manager from? Um, I think that's where you kind of need to dig in and kind of build your network. Um, and that's what we provide is kind of the Rolodex of who to work with. And then once you, you build your own relationships, I think that's when things really kind of take off. But I think that's where 95% of people, they get stuck, right? And, and then they never pulled up trigger, right? But that's, that's a personal problem. I can't fix that. You know, you got to jump off the cliff at some point. Yeah. Start with the first rental property and then go from there. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So Ted? No, I thought I really uh, just like the, the just Lane's uh, philosophy on just jumping out there, right? Again, you know, you just hear so many different ways people have kind of gotten into to what they do. And you're just saying, hey, kind of jump out there. You mentioned that you said the 70 2010 uh, philosophy, but I thought was really kind of cool where you said 70%, uh, I think it's just doing it. And 20% is, you know, what you learn from others, and 10% is, you know, I guess things that you can read or pick up from. So it just, you know, goes back to, I guess the, you know, the best experience is just uh, just jumping out there and just doing some things and learning as you go. So I really appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah, so, so my, my closing thought is just the idea that success, it's, it's a process and it's not an event, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I see things all the time where people are trying to say you a quick fix. And you read these books, it's about the quick fix. But Lane has come on and said, no, it, it, it's a process. You have to do certain things over a long period of time. Uh, yeah. and hope, hopefully, that was a big takeaway 
for our followers as well that you you really have to commit to the process. There's no easy way. And as the saying goes, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. If it was easy, everybody would be like Lane and have over 3,500 uh, rental properties. Yeah. But th- there's a reason why he's in a category, a unique category, because he put in the work over time. Yeah. So that was my takeaway. Yes, I mean, this has been awesome. Um, And I know our our followers have gotten a lot. I mean, this is, uh, we did on a uh, different day and and hopefully it gets people's attention that there's other ways to get to their financial goal that they may have never thought of before. You know, maybe maybe they'll be sparked to join a mastermind group to really get the different, like I I didn't know about the trade line idea. No, I didn't either. (laughs) No. No. it just shows you, I mean, you know, the whole networking piece is the key and getting around the right people. So, yeah, this has been awesome. So, so this concludes uh, our episode, episode 55 of the 30 Minute Hour podcast. Again, you can go to our site, the30minutehour.net. And don't forget, tomorrow at 6 p.m., we've got our show, the 30 Minute Hour, live on lockdown. And that's where you go to unplug, unwind, and let your hair down. We talk about the humorous, lighter side of the lockdown. So stay tuned for tomorrow. But until next time, have a great one. Take care.